You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 24 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson. So far, when we spoke about Australia's payroll tax system, we focused on the areas that have been harmonised. Payroll tax exemptions and rebates haven't been harmonised and probably never will. Every state and territory does their own thing. Here's a quote from Andrew Ficou in episode one. In terms of the legislation which aren't harmonised to do with exemptions and rebates. So, for example, in New South Wales, we have a jobs action plan rebate, which is unique to New South Wales. Other states may not, they might have something similar, but it's not the same. We might treat apprentices and trainees slightly different to another jurisdiction. So it's typically around exemptions and rebates that the differences occur. So for payroll tax exemptions and rebates, we need to look at each state and territory separately. Let's do that for New South Wales today. Here are Andrew Ficou and Enkada of Revenue New South Wales. There are two types of exemptions, which we break them up into employer-based exemptions and employee-based exemptions. And there are employer-based exemptions. So there are certain types of organisations, such as, as councils, religious bodies, non-profit organisations with solely or dominantly charitable, benevolent, philanthropic or patriotic purpose, or education institutions up to the secondary level, which are non-government and not-for-profit, healthcare service providers such as the ambulance service, home care service, public and non-profit private hospitals are exempt from payroll tax. All of these are exempt for payroll tax under the specific rules, which are noted under Part 4 of the Act, the Payroll Tax Act of 2007. If you believe you are exempted from payroll tax, it doesn't mean you don't register. The registration rules still apply. The only thing is now, once you register, you apply for exemption, and once you're granted an exemption, that applies for three years, and then you have to reapply. Mm. So all businesses that go over the threshold still need to register for payroll tax, and this is very important. To get the exemption, you need to really prove that you're solely or dominantly charitable, benevolent, philanthropic, or patriotic. And most of them are in that charitable realm. So just being having that status as not-for-profit is not, good, not enough. good enough. Oh, I see. It has to have solely or dominantly a charitable purpose. Now, charitable means so many things in this day and age, and we're not here to debate what is exactly charitable or not charitable, but it seems to be a guideline which says whether something is or isn't and whether it's solely or dominantly your characteristic. You know, a lot of sporting clubs are non-for-profit, but their services are for their members. If the purpose is to provide services to the members, then it's not exempt. No, then, then you're not going to get an exemption on its own. It has to be dominantly or solely as a charity, charitable purposes. So do you have many cases where you have registered charities that are not exempt for payroll tax? We, we definitely review it and get decline a lot of a lot of businesses. But in terms of statistically, we I, I don't have those kind of numbers. Yeah, it's all going to be on a case-by-case basis. If a business believes they meet one of these criterias, they need to, you need to apply. Provide your constitution, provide your, the status that you may have with the ATO, but that's not going to be the be-all and end-all. You've got to provide the case. We're going to re- review that independently and yeah. it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. And you're going to have to prove solely or dominantly that that's the, yeah. the function there. 
But but mind you, most you know the little suburban football clubs, etc. They wouldn't exceed the seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar threshold anyway. Some do, some we, do, we and do they have. they get caught out. Yeah, um, when they have a big team or the, the the key thing to remember here is you can't solely base yourself on look. I get an exemption from the ATO, so I'm going to blanket approach that to payroll tax as well. That that's not how it's applied. So we have to look at the first rule. Are you, are you liable for payroll tax? Once you've met that, then you can look at the second rule of, can I gain an exemption? Yeah, the only other exempt employer-based exemption here is, is to do with non-profit group apprenticeship and traineeship schemes. And these are, as mentioned, not-for-profit. And they're agencies that primarily exist to, to on hire apprentices and trainees, and they're not-for-profits. There's a specific list of those with the Department of Industry and they're, they're exempt. So here we're not talking about the apprentices and trainees' wages being exempt particularly. We're talking about an institution that on hires them, an agency that does that. Okay, so that's the employer-based exemptions. Now we're going to have a quick look at the um, employee-based exemptions. So now when we're looking at employee-based, we're looking at under what circumstances are certain type of employees, the payments made to them for a period you're able to exempt. The three main ones we're going to be looking at today is maternity, paternity, adoption leave. Okay. We're going to be looking at fire and emergency services duty. And we're going to be looking at defense force personnel leave. So the first one, maternity, paternity, adoption leave. In New South Wales, we apply up to 14 weeks full pay. Okay. Now, the term we have to remember here is this is not the Commonwealth funded paid parental leave, okay? The Commonwealth paid parental leave is not liable for payroll tax because it's not a form of remuneration, okay? It's paid by the Commonwealth government. It is it is funneled through the business's payroll but has nothing to do for that employee's services, reward for services. So that's not maternity leave, paternity adoption leave. This is, do you have a pay condition in your organisation that if someone you know, goes on leave under these circumstances, you are paying them for the point they are away. Right? Not necessarily extra, but ordinary pay. Okay. Their wages, their superannuation, their allowances, whatever it would have been for the period they're, they're on leave. Now, you may pay 20 weeks. You may pay only six weeks. The maximum you can claim is 14, and the maximum you can claim within that 14 is how much is the normal pay condition. So if you only pay them six weeks and then they come back, you can't still claim up to 14. You can only claim that six weeks their way. Again, substantiation is the key. We need to have a birth certificate, a medical certificate, you know, a doctor certificate, something to show that this person uh, was required to take this leave for this purpose. The 14 weeks can be full pay or 28 weeks half pay. So that's to do with maternity, paternity, adoption leave. With fire and emergency services, this is, you know, if you have employees who are volunteered in the SES, rural fire services, and they're called out to do this volunteer work. So while they're called out to do this volunteer work, you're still remunerating them. You know, they're not, they're not at your office, but they're doing this volunteer work, but you're still paying them. So that payment can be exempted. Okay. Again, this is their allowances, this is their superannuation, this is their wages. Substantiation is the key. 
we will need a letter from that external body saying who is required for what purpose for what duration. Both with maternity, paternity, adoption leave and rural fire services, leave itself, annual leave, sick, sick, sick leave, long service leave is not exempt. It is their ordinary pay that is exempt. But when it comes to the third component, which is the Defence Force Personnel Leave, so this is if you have employees who are registered with the Army Ready Reserve Scheme and they are required to go and train and or be deployed and you're paying them while they're providing that type of service, you can exempt that as well. Unlike the first two, leave is also exempted with the Defence Force Personnel. So if they take sick leave, long service leave, annual leave, you can exempt that component as well. Again, substantiation being the key, well, you'll need documentation from that organization advising us who, what, and where. Look at the rebates. The biggest thing with rebates is upfront, you have to declare what the liability is, and then you claim a portion of it back based on the rebate. The two main rebates we offer here is the apprentice and trainee rebate, which is an offset, which is you actually don't pay that and then claim it back. It's figured out in the calculation. And if you use our monthly calculator, it'll do that automatically for you. If not, you can do it annually through the annual reconciliation and it'll calculate that for you as well. How the apprentice and training rebate really works is there's a couple of criteria you have to meet. You have to first identify that this individual is a genuine apprentice and trainee under the Apprentice and Trainees Act. Department of Industries is what administers it, so you have to register them with the Department of Industries under the Apprentice and Trainees Act, and they will provide you with documentation, and that documentation is your substantiation. So you need to make sure that you have that documentation and that they're specified. So this person is specified as an apprentice or a new entrant trainee on that document and with their start date and their completion date. And therefore, you would only be rebating their wages between that start and end date. A lot of businesses get caught out because they'll continue to claim the rebate outside of the scope of what the start and end date are. So the key thing to remember here is how we apply the rebate does vary a little bit for apprentices and trainees. When we look at apprentices, we're not concerned about, you know, how long were they employed with you previously. We're just looking at when did they start their their apprenticeship to when they cease their apprenticeship with you and you're claiming the right amount of rebate in that period. And the rebate, it's it's whatever's paid to them, their, their wages, their superannuation, their allowances. If you provide FPT, you can claim a rebate for that full amount. With trainees, it's not any trainee can get a rebate. There's a special classification for the trainee. And to gain the rebate for a trainee, they have to be what's known as a new entrant trainee. And what exactly is a new entrant trainee? It's an individual that when they started employment with you, that they started if they were full-time, that they started their traineeship within the three months of them starting with you full-time or within the 12 months if they're casual or part-time. So they're new to your business before starting their traineeship. But if you had someone working for you for like a year, two years, three years, and then start their traineeship, they're still classified as a trainee, but for our purposes, they're known as an existing trainee, 
and there's no rebate at the moment for an existing trainee. And this is classifications given to them by Department of Industries under the Apprentice and Trainees Act. So on the documentation, it will actually say new entrant trainee or existing trainee. And we will take as long as you've declared the correct days with the Department of Industries, we will take whatever they classify that individual as. And also important to note there is that the rules pertaining to a new entrant trainee as opposed to an existing worker trainee don't apply the same to apprentices. So an apprentice could be working for you for a number of years and say, boss, I'd like to do an apprenticeship, and then be put onto that apprenticeship, and it would still work for that business because we're dealing with an apprenticeship now. But with the trainees, as Anka has correctly stipulated there, it's it's for new entrant trainees. So we've got to be really clear about that one. A lot of businesses where they get confused with this is they have a scheme in their own business that they're calling these workers trainees, like, like a graduate trainee or a cadet. You know, we often get questions about this and there's no, because that's not recognised under the Apprenticeship and Traineeship Act of 2001, it's not classified as a rebatable scheme. So you can't just call your apprentices or trainees those things and expect the rebate. They have to be under that the, the Department of Industry regime, which is under the Apprenticeship and Traineeship Act. The first thing is you have to get the documentation from Department of Industries. Okay. And the second thing is, Review the start date and end date on that documentation and only ever claim a rebate within those periods. So the business, I know somebody might end within the financial year, but because they're used to claiming that rebate, they'll just roll it till the end of the year. Unfortunately, then you're coming into that tax tax shortfall because you're claiming a rebate when you're not entitled to it. The way the, the calculation works in, in summary here is you're doing... And this is what the system does as well. It does a calculation with all the apprentices and trainees' wages in. That's including all their super and everything, right? And that's very important to note because a lot of people just take out their wages only and forget super and allowances and everything. So all of the wages in, then then you do a calculation without apprentices and trainee wages, and the different the rebate value is the difference between the two. So you can't claim the uh, the rebate on the payroll tax you pay on other wages. You can only claim it for the apprentices and trainees yes. it's an offset towards okay. their component okay of the of payroll the tax, tax but only their component yeah only their component okay which is taken off the total so so you know you you have to so so when you're claiming it, it it's literally i would have paid five thousand the the offset is 300 i'm only paying four thousand seven hundred but is that 300 because we're looking at the total picture is that 300 only from their wages well it doesn't make doesn't make a difference at the end of the day we're just taking it off the total liability you would be entitled to. But for those, yeah, for those, for, those for that group of people. So, yeah, if you were in a situation where you were under the threshold, then you put all these extra apprentices on, and then you that brought your wages down. It doesn't mean the value of that difference is going to be topped up to you as an extra credit. Mm. Okay, so you're only going to get what's off up to your liable amount. Yeah, and. And that becomes um, very clear when you're talking about the Jobs Action Plan rebate as well. But before we go on to the Jobs Action Plan rebate, one last thing I want to mention regarding the apprentice and trainee rebate is that, especially with these rebates in general, is that every state and, and territory has their own regimes here. All right, So we're speaking specifically about New South Wales and we have a rebate scheme here. Other states may exempt completely just the wages of apprentices and trainees. Other states will just consider them liable. 
Okay, so just be aware and check the websites of the associated state or territory to work out what it is and how it works in that state or territory because this is an area where we are not harmonised. Yeah, every state has their own program. Yeah, okay, so it brings us to the Jobs Action Plan rebate, which is $6,000 potentially for every new employee that you engage as a new employee that you've engaged in your business where you increase the level of employment in your business, your FTE, your full-time equivalent, and you maintain it. So you can get up to $6,000. So this regime came in from the, the 1st of July 2011, and it's to be with us until the 30th of June 2019. One of the key changes that have happened in the past couple of years is that we're no longer accepting backdated applications all the way to the beginning of the, the scheme. You only have a maximum of 90 days and that's extremely strict where you put within 90 days of that person starting that you need to put in an application for that new person's position. Now, this rebate, the Jobs Action Plan rebate, is paid in two parts, on the first anniversary on the second anniversary. $2,000 on the first anniversary, up to $4,000 on the second anniversary. Now, if it was a full-time position, that means under the legislation, 35 hours or more, okay, if it's full-time, it's 2000 and then 4000 but if it's part-time or casual, we're going to allow you to still claim, but it's going to be prorated according to the level of hours that worker does compared to a 35-hour-a-week full-timer person. And like I said, 90 days is extremely strict. From the 31st of July 2016, a, a rule has also been added because this is when the rebate became a $6,000 rebate. Prior to that, it was a $5,000 rebate. But from the 31st of July 2016, the business had to have a maximum number of up to 50 employees in order to be eligible for those jobs up to the 50th, 50th role. Okay, so if you have a starting FTE oh, so greater than 50, you cannot claim this rebate anymore. So it's not for the bigger end of town. It's for those smaller to medium-sized businesses that are liable for payroll tax. So this is specifically for payroll tax payers. And it's going to ultimately work as an offset against your payroll tax liability, up to $6,000 for every new employee. So each financial year, we look at the amount of claim that you've put in, because you might have three employees or four employees, and that equates to, to for that first anniversary, you might have $8,000 worth of rebate, but your liability might only be $5,000 for that year. So you can only claim up to $5,000. But if your liability is is already, you know, say, $20,000 and you take off $8,000, that's fantastic and the rebate works for you. But unlike the apprentice and trainee rebate where it was an offset, this is paid independently. You pay your power tax as per normal and you're putting in your applications and claims systematically as you go through. And it's going to be based on that. You've got to put in that application within the first 90 days of that person starting so that's the first step in taking a snapshot of the organisation. Let's say there's 20 employees there. So there's 20 employees and that's now you've got your 21st employee. Now you're taking another snapshot of the organisation on the second anniversary. And it's going to say there's still 21 people, all right, including that person. That's excellent. You're now going to get the $2,000. On the second anniversary, the person's still there, great, you can get the $4,000. Uh, so that makes a total of $6,000. And that can be done for as many positions as, as possible as long as you've increased your FTE. Now, that FTE, that full-time equivalent count, those snapshot numbers is based on each application you put in. 
So each is judged on its own merit. So it doesn't necessarily mean that every position is going to have the same FTE count or, or sequentially going up because you could be backfilling vacancies. As long as the person that you've met the criteria on the anniversary, for example, that person's been there for the whole year, or if that person leaves, you replace them within 30 days, you can keep claiming on that um, application. And do you need to apply for each new employee? Correct. Separately. So if you if you hire three new employees, you need to apply three times. Correct. So if three people start on the same day, that's three applications with a starting FT of the same number. But if it's person one on day one, person two on day two, person three on day three, you can it'll be a sequential increase in in those numbers. The the thing you got to keep here uh, in mind is when we when we're looking at this rebate is. We're looking at a business and saying, okay, is this business increasing employment within its business, right, within the company yourself? What we're looking at is, you know, when this new person starts with them, are they a new employee or were they previously working for them, right? So the criteria to remember is who's not eligible is when this new individual starts with them, they could not have been an employee with that business within the last 12 months in New South Wales, be it only in that business or that group of businesses if they're grouped. So we're not looking for you to transfer an employee from one group member to another. We're genuinely looking at you hiring someone new. And that's only based in New South Wales. Everything that is reviewed for this rebate is reviewed on a New South Wales basis. So if you have someone who works in Queensland and they relocate to New South Wales, if they were not working in your business, that group of businesses in New South Wales, that's a new employee for us, okay? The other thing is this is looking towards employment. Unfortunately, contractors, employment agencies are not employees of your business, so you can't claim it on them, okay? Even though they may be liable for payroll tax and you're paying payroll tax on that, this rebate is solely looking at employment, right? So you can't claim it on the contractors and agency work. But if you've had a contractor three years, never been an employee of your business, and you bring them onto the books and make them an employee, now they're a new employee for payroll tax purposes, and now you can claim it on that person. As long as you don't exceed 50 employees at that yeah. point. Yeah. The 50 employees, is it's, it's a standard. It's a standard now. So whatever I'm talking about, it's a case of, you have to have an FTE count of 50 or less, you know, on registration. On registration, it will ask you to do the calculation, and if you fail it, it won't actually let you complete the registration. We've already talked about another rebate, apprentice and trainees. Now, because we're already giving you a rebate on those individuals, you can't claim an additional rebate because there may be new employees as well for the Jobs Action Plan rebate. You still include those apprentices and trainees in your FTE count, but you can't include them to claim on the jobs action plan as well. Businesses sometimes take over other businesses. There's mergers with other businesses. They That business may have employees, and you bring those employees across. That's a continuation of previous employment. That's not new employment as such, so you can't claim it there. The only time you can claim there is if there were entitlements with that business already. So that original business you took over, you merged with, they had registered for the jobs action plan because they had met the requirements, but the anniversary had not lapsed. Then you can claim. 
or they had registered or they hadn't registered, you know, but you were still within the 90 days of that employee starting, you could do a registration for them. If, the only thing I'd like to add here is just to emphasize a couple of things. Number one is that we're only counting employees. When we're doing that FTE count and that snapshot, we're only including what is in New South Wales. So the person must wholly or mainly perform their service in New South Wales and therefore there's a, you're paying power tax on their wages here in New South Wales because this is a, a New South Wales rebate. The other thing is that each ABN gets its own count of up to 50. So if you're part of a group of businesses, each group member gets up to 50. Okay. Even if they're grouped as... Even Correct. As, oh, okay. Correct. So that's another thing to, to keep mm-hmm. in mind. And, and once again, to emphasize what Anka was saying, we're all about stealing jobs from other states and territories. By all means, if that work, if, if you were to close up shop in Queensland and start up with those employees here in New South Wales, well, we weren't counting them before because we're only counting what's going on in New South Wales. And you've now increased employment in New South Wales. Fantastic. It's all about jobs for New South Wales. The key thing to remember here, the rebate, it's not an upfront payment. It's not like I've just hired someone, I'm going to claim it. You, you need to do three steps. It's register within 90 days. Upon registration, you need to do an FTE calculation. Make sure that is 50 or less or you can't register. And then on the first anniversary, and this will, this will change, this will vary depending on each registration. So each employee, you need to do an individual registration. On the first anniversary, do another FTE count. As long as that has increased from the registration, you can claim $2,000 on the first anniversary. That's for full-time. pro rata based on hours for part-time and casuals. Second, second anniversary, you do the same FTE count. As long as the FTE count is higher than what was on the registration for that applicant, you'll claim. It doesn't need to be higher than the first anniversary. For example, if you had 20 as your FTE count on registration, first anniversary was 25, increased, you claim that rebate. Second anniversary was 23, well, that's still higher than 20. You have shown you did increase from your original registration. You can still claim. But it's a little bit different. If you register with 20, your first anniversary is only 19, you haven't been able to claim, you can't claim the second component. You would have to start again. You would have to start again. Even though the second anniversary was like 30, because you weren't entitled to the first rebate, you won't be entitled to the second component of the rebate as well. The flip side, you were entitled to the first component, but for some reason you were not able to claim the second, you don't need to pay that money back. You can keep the $2,000 that you're entitled to as long as you've met the requirements correctly. Welcome back. So this was a brief overview of the paratax exemptions and rebates in New South Wales. We will cover the other states and territories soon. In the next episode, episode 25, David Moss of Married Words in Sydney will discuss whether we need an AFSL license to advise our clients about the commutation of pensions. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.